get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And a guy who spent some time here in St. Louis as a member of the St. Louis Rams and one of the great offensive linemen in the history of college football. Now a great analyst for ESPN. Barrett Jones is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Barrett, great to have you with us. How are you doing? What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Well, let, let's start with this. I guess the game of the year is going to be Clemson and uh, Notre Dame this weekend, number one versus number four. Should be a really intriguing matchup, if, if not great, because you don't have Lawrence. It's very intriguing. Well, look, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've disappointed a lot of people uh, on every show I've been on this week about this matchup, and I know I'm getting dangerously close to the Midwest here, so I might get some hate mail, but... <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm just not sure I buy it. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of in the camp that Notre Dame is criminally overrated every single year, and I think this year is no exception. I mean, I turned on their tape against Louisville, and I know you can't judge a team by one game. Uh, I just think they're a pretty average football team, and I, I think Clemson's still going to win by two or three touchdowns, uh, e- even without Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think maybe for football fans it'll be good that Trevor Lawrence is not there because it might be a better game for at least a half. I love that, Barrett, coming out firing with a hot take. Uh, Well, speaking of hot, Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat as far as a lot of people are concerned after that loss to Michigan State and really just his general uh, body of work at Michigan. But do you really think that from a Michigan standpoint, if you're someone who's a decision maker there, that he's on the hot seat? It's really tough, you know, just because obviously we, we've seen it now with a few Michigan coaches. That he, he's really been, you know, the best one they've had in, in a while. I mean, I, I think a lot of Michigan fans want to live in the glory days, uh, you know, where Michigan's competing for a national championship. And uh, I, I just I'm, – I'm not sure uh, that's ever going to happen again. I mean, obviously forever is a long time. But uh, just with the way that college football is evolving, I know Michigan as a university, uh, they're committed to a lot of different things. Uh, so – should it be on the hot seat? I think. I think more than anything. Obviously, look, the, the record against the rivals is, is it's bad. I mean, you have to beat Ohio State at some point. But I mean, it's it's not even close right now. The kind of talent that Ohio State's getting versus the t- kind of talent Michigan's getting. And so, uh, I think from that perspective, it's going to be hard to beat Ohio State. Um, so, should it be on the hot seat? I think the antics are what frustrate people maybe more than anything. Just the you know the, the different uh, headlines that he always seems to grab. I think a lot of people. You know, or, or get frustrated by him. Obviously, a, a really bad loss to Michigan State. Um, maybe he should be on the hot seat. But the question is always, anytime you're talking about a coach, is who are you going to get that's better than him? And I don't think there's really a clear answer out there right now. Uh, you know, for for Michigan of who that would be. And I, I really don't think uh, that that in this day and age uh, of of COVID, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of coaches that are let go this year, uh, just because of the situation. So I, I expect him to get at least one more year at Ann Arbor, but. Man, they got to get it. They got to figure out how to play offense. I mean, that's that's a that seems obvious, but just year after year, we keep hearing that you know this is going to be the year they finally evolve in their explosive offense, and uh, it just never seems to happen. 
Barrett, I loved what you said about Michigan fans living in the glory days because just before you joined us in the commercial break, I said to Randy here that I think a lot of fan bases can't accept that the dynasty has passed. Whether it's, we're constantly asking, is Texas back? We're asking, when is Jim Harbaugh going to get Michigan back to the glory days? Nebraska fans have a hard time swallowing that pill. Maybe the answer is that fan bases, as unrealistic as that sounds because they are fanatic, need to lower or manage their expectations. Well, I think you're right. I think that's certainly a good point. I do think every situation is different. I mean, I think there's not really any excuse for Texas. I mean, every time I go down there, I'm like, how is this team not winning? They have players everywhere. They have all the money that they could ever want. Uh, they have good facilities, and yet somehow they, they still find a way to mess it up. So, uh, yeah, I do. And, I, you know, look, part of it's geography, too. I mean, the reality is uh, that, that, you know, I, I know that everyone rolls their eyes at recruiting rankings and say they don't matter. Like, they, recruiting makings do matter, okay? Like, I, I know that you can point out to random, circumstantial, like, two stars who became great players. But, like, in general, uh, more five stars become first-round draft picks uh, than any other, you know, star level, and it's not even close, you know? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, recruiting rankings do matter, and a lot of the players ge- geographically, you know, are in those southern regions in Florida and Georgia and the surrounding areas. So I think that just hurts some of those other schools right there off the bat. That that just seems to be where a lot of the good players are coming from, uh, you know. And, and look, the, the next thing that we're going to see, the next trend, uh, and this is this is really talking way out in the future, is just where is football still being played? I mean, you know, I think participation of football uh, is down in some areas. I don't think it's really maybe not overall down too much in the South where it's still a big deal. Uh, but you know, there are more competitors now. You have lacrosse that's that's taken on, and so uh, and and other sports, soccer is a bigger deal. So. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder. Will that trend reverse? I, I really don't. I think if if anything, it might even get worse, uh, and we might just see more and more uh, football become a regional sport, uh, at least in, on the college level. Which, by the way, I really hope it doesn't happen because obviously, it'd be bad for me. I love college football. Uh, I'm just I'm just kind of forecasting some things out. ESPN's Barrett Jones with us on 101 ESPN, and Barrett, getting back to those coaches. And managing expectations. Heck, I'm a Mizzou fan. It's really easy for me to manage expectations. <laughs> but uh, you, you look at the SEC, and people are always trying to beat Saban, and you know why and how Alabama is good. In the ACC, everybody's trying to catch up to Dabo. And for a long time in the Big Ten, it was Urban Meyer, and nobody was beating Urban Meyer. He won 90% of his games when he was there. I think you have those big three teams and programs and coaches, and it's almost unrealistic for any school, and this includes USC out west or Michigan or Texas or Texas A&M, to beat those programs the way they're constituted right now. Well, I agree with that. You know, and I think that uh, probably of the three you just named, Alabama probably has the, the toughest path, you know, uh, just because there are a lot of other schools in that conference that, that spend, you know, kind of at those same levels. I mean, you have teams like, like Georgia, teams like Florida, uh, you know, that could conceivably teams like Texas A&M. I think that's one to keep an eye on for the next 10 years or so. Uh, so I think Alabama probably is the challenger, whereas it uh, has the most challenges, whereas Clemson, you know, I, I don't really know who, I mean, maybe if Notre Dame joins the conference, even though I've already told you how I feel about <laughs> Notre Dame, uh, may, maybe maybe they'll, uh, you know, be a constant challenger, maybe Miami. Uh, I just don't see it, though. I, I just think Clemson has such a firm foothold, and I honestly feel – uh, like like Ohio State is is not too far away of being the Clemson of the Big Ten. I mean, uh, I know they've been in maybe a few tighter games, but generally, if you look back over the past few years, there's not really a whole lot of people in the Big Ten that can challenge them. And again, look, you can you can uh, 
you know, you can you can be romanticized college football all you want, but you look at the recruits and you look at the money that Ohio State's spending. I mean, they're spending a ton of money. They're getting great recruits, right? Uh, again, those two things are connected as well, uh, and nobody's really in their league in that conference. So I, I do agree with you. Uh, you know, you could for a, a many years you could put Oklahoma maybe on that fringe category, uh, but I think you know Oklahoma, Texas, they would have an opportunity to maybe be a, a similar team over the next decade. Uh, by the way, before we move on, I do want to say I do like Eli Drinkwitz a lot. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I've had an opportunity to meet him a few times. I, I've been very impressed with him. So I think you guys are in good hands over there. And uh, I, I think that, you know, th- they have a chance over the next few years to make a dent in the East. I wanted to ask you about Mizzou because they've got the week off. Then they've got, after playing Florida in their last game, they've got Georgia and then a team that you see this weekend. They're at South Carolina. And we're all wondering if Drinkwitz can get to 500 this year. And I think the, the tipping point game, Barrett, might be South Carolina. How, how good are the Gamecocks this year? Well, you know, it, it almost feels like they were picking on the new coaches this year when I saw Missouri and Arkansas's revised schedules and uh, saw that, you know, Missouri had to play Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. That, that's pretty tough. Um, I, I do think that uh, they could they could certainly beat South Carolina. I think the most consistent thing about South Carolina during Will Muschamp's tenure is that they're inconsistent. Uh, you never know what you're going to expect. And I know you, you can't always rely. I mean, in fact, you almost can never rely on this team beat this team, so this team should beat this team. Uh, but just a, a little confusing one in the SEC for you is South Carolina beat Auburn. Uh, Auburn just blew out LSU, and the week before that, LSU uh, blew out South Carolina. So uh, you just never really know. And I, I think South Carolina is is beatable, but could also sneak up on people every once in a while. So uh, could could uh, Missouri beat South Carolina? Absolutely. And I think Missouri's a team that's still very much bought in. There's still a lot of excitement there with a the new coach. And I think those teams later in the season tend to play better because. There's not that fatigue, you know, and there's not that kind of lack of hope. Uh, I think everyone understands they're building something down there. It's going to take time. Uh, and I think they've already had some moments heading in the right direction. Look, I know LSU is not very good this year. We all know that. Uh, but that win over LSU was, was enormous. Uh, you know, when, when you start to get players believing uh, that, that it's going to work, uh, that's a very powerful thing. And so I'm starting to see glimmers of that in Missouri, uh, that guys are really buying in and playing hard just with the effort level I've seen so far on tape. Barrett, who do you like in the Georgia-Florida game? Man, that's a great one. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think, uh, you know, we, we circled it when we started the season. We thought it would decide the East. Certainly don't think anything's changed our opinion there. Uh, at the end of the day, in this day and age of college football, uh, when in doubt, go quarterback. And so uh, you look at Kyle Trask. I mean, he, he's one of the best quarterbacks out there. He's got some serious weapons in Kyle Pitts. Uh, he, he's got Trevon Grimes. Uh, he's got uh, Kadarius Toney. Uh, there's weapons all over the field for this uh, this Florida offense, uh, and I know Georgia's defense is much better. Florida's defense has a lot of question marks. I'm just in this day and age, you got to be able to score points uh, to to win big games, and so uh, I think that uh, I think that I'm going to go with Kyle Trask over Stetson Bennett in that category. Even though Georgia, I think, is probably a better team talent-wise from top to bottom, uh, I think the quarterback position uh, is is disproportionately important in this day and age. And so I think that uh, Kyle Trask and company get it done. Hey, Barrett, one more thing before we let you go. We know that Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State are going to be three of the four teams in the playoffs. You've told us what you think of Notre Dame. So who's the fourth team in the playoff for you? Well, first of all, that's, I mean, that's a big jump here. You're already saying that's three of the four teams. Oh, I mean, yeah. Ohio State's <laughs> only played two games. Every, I mean, every year, though. Every uh, year. You know, Alabama still got to you know play several. They got to play Auburn. They have to play the SEC championship game. So I mean, 
There's, you know, I don't know what my excuse on Clemson is. I think they're definitely going to be one of the teams. <laughs> uh, but but the, the other two, the other two, uh, I think are a long way from locks. I mean, uh, who's the fourth team going to be? I have no idea. Honestly, I've combed uh, and I've looked. You know, I'll tell you one team to keep an eye on, and, and I know I'm calling their game this weekend, but, like, Texas A&M has kind of slipped below the radar. I think after a lot of people watched their game against Alabama, they got blown out. Uh, they kind of wrote them off. I think Texas A&M has a chance to sneak up and be the second-best team in the SEC this year. And if they find a way to win out, uh, especially if, if uh, you know, Georgia, Florida find a way to get two losses, which let's, say, let's just say Florida beats Georgia, for example. Florida's already lost to A&M. Uh, then Alabama beats Florida again in the SEC championship game, which is, is not a uh, not a, a hard scenario to foresee. Uh, then I, I could absolutely see A&M maybe sneaking in as that fourth team. You know, but look, there's still so much, so many unknowns. I mean, the Pac-12, you know, like seven games, is that enough? Like, I, I have no idea, you know, what's that going to look like? It's, it's the ultimate apples to oranges here, right? I mean, there's always apples to oranges in college football a little bit. Uh, but this year, it's, it's a whole different level because we're going to have some teams with like seven games, some teams with eleven. You know, it's just it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be wild. And I, I can almost guarantee that whoever that fourth team is, there will be some fan base that is very mad and frustrated. Uh, which, hey, honestly, that's part of what makes it fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Hey, Barry, you're a lot of fun to listen to on the games. You're doing a great job. And in this business, you have to have a take. And we love that you came with strong opinion right off the bat. And uh, we we loved having you on. We'll do it again soon. Well, thanks a lot, guys. It's been fun. And, uh, by the way, I'm doing some NFL games, too. So I also have Bill Seahawks. I'm not sure if y'all station is carrying that one. But, uh, you know, I'm calling these games from my basement. I have a studio set up. It's kind of funny uh, this day and age. And so I, I'm, I'm doing the Saturday-Sunday combos for the rest of the year. And we do have that game. So we'll be tuned in for that as well right here on 101 ESPN. There you go. Bill Seahawks should be a good one. All right. Thank you, Barrett. Have a great day. See you later. Thanks, Take care. Barrett Jones, former Alabama offensive lineman, played for the Rams here for a while, went to the Steelers, and is doing a terrific job. I had mentioned to you before we came on the air that he was uh, he was going to be a broadcaster while he was still at Alabama. Of course. And he's doing a great job. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and thanks to Barrett Jones. Next up, should the Cardinals perhaps give up some pitching depth so that they can get a hitter? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN.